Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Hey, thanks for taking some time to join us on another edition of Cover Your Assets KC. This is part two of our conversation about 2023 financial resolutions. Glad you're with us. I'm Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens. He's the president and wealth advisor of KC Financial Advisors, serving you with an office in Overland Park. But from anywhere, you can find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. On the previous episode, we covered three different resolutions or items you can put on your to-do list for this new year that would help really put you in a good spot for financial and retirement planning and maybe for some of you, transform your financial lives in the year ahead. Others, just making sure you're gussying things up a little bit. We've got three additional resolutions to talk about on today's show. But before we do all of that, David, welcome to the show again. Hope you're doing well. I am doing pretty well. I'm having a hard time accounting for myself over the last week, but it seems like it's been pretty good. How about you? Must mean you're having fun if it flew by that fast on you. (laughs) It's like it's like it gone in the blink of an eye, it sounds like. <laughs> Fun is in the eye of the beholder, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're probably not out doing a lot of golfing right now, unfortunately. But no, those, those days will return soon for you. They will. Looking forward to that, but maybe another month or two. Dodge a few more snowstorms first, and then you'll you'll have earned your way back to the course. That's for sure. Right. Well, a quick recap. Our uh, previous episode, part one of this two-part series, we talked about establishing and updating your written goals. We underline written. Uh, calculating your net worth was the second resolution. And getting the right size emergency fund in place is goal or resolution number three. For more information on those goals and the science behind them, listen to the past episode of the show. But we turn our attention now to part two and three new resolutions. David, what's the first one you want to tackle today? Well, this one is um, its probably part of your, um, your goal setting because a big chunk of, the, of my clients have a significant part of their savings, their retirement savings, in their 401k, their 403b, whatever their workplace retirement plan was. So number four is, even if you don't have a a workplace with a 401k, make sure that you systematize your savings. And so all I mean by that is, make sure that you contribute to these plans every two weeks, twice a month, or whatever your payroll thing is. And if you happen to be self-employed, it's super important to systematize your savings. Because if you wait until the end of the year, the two different reasons why you wouldn't want to do that. Sometimes there's not enough cash sitting around to get it done. And then you've also got the almost always benefit of dollar cost averaging. So let me unpack that just a little bit. The the benefits of systematizing this is it's on autopilot. You don't have any decisions to make. The money never gets into your checking account. It goes straight to the 401k or the 403b or in your or your IRA that you can have, let's say you have an IRA, you don't have a 401k at work, but you do have an IRA, maybe through Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Vanguard. They'll come and take money out of your checking account every two weeks, every month, whatever you set up to have them do it, such that it comes out regularly and you don't have this deficit being built up in the year that you feel like you have to make up at some point in the future. The other thing that's beneficial about this is dollar cost averaging. So markets go up and down and up and down throughout any given year. And when you're in your 30s and 40s and early 50s, you really can't afford to get too worried about that because retirement is a long way off. And when you're putting money in 
When the market's going down, well, you're just buying those shares, usually of stock-based mutual funds, at cheaper and cheaper prices. So that's dollar cost averaging. You're getting in at a lower cost, being really confident that in 10 or 15 or 25 years when you retire, the market's going to be either higher or a lot higher than it is right now. So that's another reason why systematizing this is really important. How much should you put in? Well, I've said in in a number of old podcasts, you need to make, I think you need to make 10% of what you earn the starting point. And so when you fill out your paperwork at your office, you know, if at all possible, make sure that you are putting 10% of what you earn into that 401k or 403b. At a minimum, make sure you get the company match. So if the company match requires you to put in 6%, well, don't don't ignore the free money by not at least getting the match. But your, your initial goal ought to be 10% of what you earn. And then every time you get an increase, a raise, or a new job, try to increase that percentage because you're just feathering your nest, your retirement nest, all along the way. And it's a heck of a lot easier to do when you start early and you increase that percentage as you go. So in order to max out your 401k, that has gotten to be a decent sized number now, especially if you're over 50. So the maximum 401k contribution this year is 22,500 bucks. But if you're over 50, you can put in 30 grand into your 401k. So if you're making 300 grand and you're putting in 10%, well, you know, that's your maximum right there. So that's awesome. Uh, if you're putting, if you're making 150 grand, well, then you got to put in 20% of what you make to max out your 401k. Either way, make sure it's systematized and that you're trying really hard to increase that percentage every time you get a raise. If you don't have that uh, 401k at work, your IRA or your Roth IRA, you can systematize that too. Uh, you can put up to 6,500 bucks in for a uh, if you're under 50 and 7,500 if you're over 50. One addendum to this is, let's say that you don't have a 401k, but you can save more than 6,500 bucks, or you make a bunch of money and you wanna put in way more than 30 grand, but that's all they'll let you do. You can systematize deposits to a brokerage account as well. And well, you know, Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, whoever that is, you can have them set up direct withdrawals from your checking account into a brokerage account. What you do with that is, you so you don't get a tax deduction for that like you do for your 401k, but what you do get is growth that eventually, if it depending on how you invest it, but you wouldn't invest in things that earn interest because that interest is taxable every year at your probably pretty high marginal tax bracket. But if you invest in those in stock-based mutual funds or individual stocks, the goal there is to have long-term capital gains, which are taxed advantageously, and dividends from those companies, those stocks, and those are taxed advantageously. So just because you've run out of room in your 401k doesn't mean that there's not a next level of investing that you can do 
that is also has its own tax advantages to it. Lots of different choices, lots of different opportunities, um, regardless of your income level. But always make sure that if at all possible, you are systematizing that savings and that you're increasing it on a regular basis. So helpful to do that. Systematize a lot of things in your life, and you'll be able to get a lot more done. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to your finances, it does make it just that much better. The, the less manual work you have to do, that's the old working smarter, not harder, right, David? Exactly. And, and it's, it's another way to help make money while you sleep. Mm. And so I, I'm all about finding ways to do that, and this is a great one of those. Great points. All right, number five, if we're going back to uh, continuing our previous uh, episode on this two-part series of New Year's Resolutions Financial Edition, Eliminate Bad Debt is uh, what I see here written down as number five, David. So uh, this one always comes with that caveat of explaining what, uh, what bad debt is in the first place. Yeah, so I have often described good debt and bad debt. And um, so good debt is... Anytime you borrow, maybe to buy, to buy a house, or maybe you borrow to buy rental property, those are borrowings that you make to make a leveraged investment into an asset. I'm not going to try to unpack that, but bad debt would be, and I don't think automobile debt necessarily falls into the bad debt category. You need a car, as long as you don't buy one that's way above your means, automobile, automobile debt is perfectly fine too. What you don't want to have in your life is credit card debt. So I'm, and I'm not talking about necessarily about the zero interest deal you get from Nebraska Furniture Mart because you need to populate your apartment or your house uh, with some furniture and you're going to pay it off over that 12 or 18 or 24 months with no interest. As long as you get that payoff done, that's perfectly fine. But credit card debt is almost always evidence of one of two things. You're living above your, ne- your means. You're buying things on credit that you didn't have the money to pay for otherwise. Or maybe you paid for an emergency because you didn't have an emergency fund. Either way, what you've done is become your bank's best friend when you carry credit card balances. reason I say that is a, a car loan probably costs you 5 to 7% interest. Your mortgage maybe around 6%, and that's tax deductible. Credit card debt is probably between 10 and 25% interest. Plus, at some point, you're going you're gonna to forget to pay or you're going to pay late. And then they whack you for $35 because you paid late, and the interest really starts to rack itself up. So I actually had several clients this year this credit card debt can sneak up on you, and it's kind of insidious. It's almost like um, I've referred to it in the past as as rust on your car or or termites in your foundation. You don't really see it until the damage is there. And so, you know, this monthly bill comes in, and you don't really necessarily pay much attention to it. But all of a sudden, you realize, I've been paying for this for a long time, and the balance really isn't going down very far. So I had several clients this year that surprised me by saying, that they were carrying a credit card balance. Well, I knew that they had other money elsewhere. They just weren't paying attention or they didn't think it was a big deal. And so we took immediate steps to pay off those credit card balances in the smartest way that we could do that. Typically, that's not out of an IRA because then you're paying taxes on that money. But there's almost no good reason 
to carry credit card debt. I'm sitting here looking at my computer on usdebtclock.org. Walter, you've probably seen that website. It's a very mesmerizing site. Yes. <laughs> It of, is mesmerizing. <laughs> the mem- numbers. I, I haven't gone in a while. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go right now just to oh, be mesmerized. It is, the numbers are just flying past you. But the reason I went out is because I know it has a a good calculation for credit card debt in America. One point one nine five trillion dollars, almost one point two trillion dollars of credit card debt in America. I mean, really, that is those people are their bank's best friend because that's the best asset that a bank has. That's the best loan that these banks can make with the fees and the interest. Uh, They are so excited when you run up a balance that you can't pay off at the end of each month. So you don't want rust on your car. You certainly don't want termites in your house. One of the biggest gifts you can give yourself this year is to eliminate credit card debt from your life and make sure that you've got a good plan to make sure that you don't ever get into that situation again. And maybe, probably part of that plan is going back to number three last week and making sure that you have an emergency fund that is right-sized to your lifestyle. It's kind of interesting to start looking at some of those numbers on the uh, on that debt clock. I, I invite anybody to go look at that. It's just kind of intriguing to look at some of these numbers. And you're right, that credit card debt just piling up as we speak. A couple thousand dollars per second, it's increasing at the moment. <laughs> uh, but then even it has data like uh, the U.S. workforce, how many people are in private sector versus government employees, union workers, different income levels, bankruptcies that are you know current out there, how many retirees there are. Um, you know, all sorts of really interesting um, numbers to look at on that site. So, yeah, check it out. We'll link to that in the description of today's show so you can find it easily, too, usdebtclock.org. All right, very good. So get rid of that bad debt is resolution number five. And we get to the last one here, David, and it sounds like from the little cheat sheet that you've handed me here ahead of the show today, <laughs> like this one's uh, got, a, got a fun little tie-in to the name of the show, and that would be to cover your assets as resolution number six on the year. Yeah, so that's basically just my way of saying own the right amount of life insurance. So maybe it's zero. Maybe you don't have an insurable interest anymore, or maybe you're 24 and you're unmarried, and it's arguable, but you may not have an insurable interest either. But And maybe you have a need for millions of dollars of life insurance. So the question you have to ask yourself is, if I die tomorrow, who will be financially disadvantaged by my death? By how much will they be disadvantaged? And for how long will they be disadvantaged? Now, you are unlikely to pull out a legal pad and a pen and make that calculation because it's a little bit complex. I would encourage you to go to bankrate.com backslash insurance which is another web page I'm looking at right now. It is they bankrate.com. It's a really good website for stuff like this. They don't blast you with you don't even have to sign in or create an account and they don't blast you with advertisements. But when you get to um bankrate.com backslash insurance, you're going to see a box in the right-hand column called life insurance calculator. And you click on that 
And it's going to ask you several really important questions. Like, for instance, how many years of income are you going to need to cover for these people that you care about? Well, if you're, so what you're kind of looking at is, one way to look at this is if you're 35, well, Social Security kicks in at 65, actually 67. So maybe you have uh, 32 years of income to cover. Um, whatever your number is, you can figure that out and do a little what ifing on that. How much annual net income will your survivors need? That's another thing you need to uh, add in. Then it says, well, how much do you already have in savings? Do you have any kids? And then if you say yes, it's going to ask you, well, how old are they? And do you want to have any college money set aside for them? It's a really good calculator to help you identify, well, how much money, how much insurance should I have based on my stage of life? And then you hit the calculate button and it spits out a number. It's not necessarily a right or wrong number, but it's a really good starting point to say, I mean, what you're probably going to do is go, oh my gosh, that much? And that's the point at which you need to find some really good, probably really inexpensive term life insurance. Now, here's the pro tip of the day. What you don't want to do is get on the program that your employer offers through your benefit plan, because that's going to be about the most expensive way that you can go about getting what is otherwise cheap term life insurance. The reason, I, the reason that is, is because they're insuring everybody. doesn't matter how many heart attacks they've had or, or anything about that person, they're getting insured. Whereas if you're 35 and healthy and, and et cetera, et cetera, or 58 and healthy, and you name the physical attributes you might have, you, you're going to be shocked at how inexpensive term life insurance is. Now, if you've had a, if you had a stroke or you've had a, you know, whatever physical problem that you might have had, you can still get it. It's just going to be more expensive. But I just strongly encourage everybody to make sure. I've had to work with some people who the primary breadwinner died unexpectedly and there was not nearly enough life insurance. And it's just a really sad situation to, to find themselves in and there, there are very few answers once that happens. So this is number six, but this could have been number one. If you don't, if you haven't covered your, if you haven't covered your assets, all your bases, by having what is really inexpensive term life insurance in place for the people you love, just in case you die unexpectedly, then you've got a big hole in your plan and it's super easy to fill. And then just kind of the, the quickie little follow-up. The reason it's pretty darn inexpensive is because it's very unlikely that you're going to die. It's way more likely that you're going to become disabled. So as you're looking through the disability plans at your office, make sure you get a good one because that's a higher probability than you dying. But if you die, it can be catastrophic financially. Plus, they're going to be bummed out. But it can be financially catastrophic to the people you leave behind, and it's super easy to fix. You just got to do it, and you want to make sure that you have the comfort of knowing, I made some calculation steps here, and I feel like I have the right amount. Bankrate.com backslash insurance, that's your starting point for figuring out 
how much life insurance do I need? Then you figure out how do I get it cheaply. We uh, we hope they'll be bummed out at least, David. <laughs> might not be, yeah. you know. Well, just depending. True. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just just kidding. Um, that's a great breakdown of everything. And yes, cover those assets. Extremely important to do so. That's why we named the show that. You know, really is one of the foundational pieces to any sort of retirement planning conversation. In addition to some of the other things that we talked about today, the goal setting, the, the net worth, calculating that, uh, the emergency fund pieces, systematizing those savings, eliminating debt, All of these different elements are just so important. So if you have any questions about what we've talked about today, don't hesitate to pick up the phone. Give David a call. 913-317-1414 is the number, and we will link in the description of today's show to those resources that David mentioned, the debt clock, and also that bank rate website with the insurance calculators on there, if that helps you poke around a little bit and learn a little more uh, about what we talked about on the show today and give you some additional perspective. You can also go online to coveryourassetskc.com, and that's where we have lots of other great resources, blogs, past podcasts, and more information for you there on the website. And don't ever hesitate to reach out if you've got any questions on your mind. David, thanks for this two-part series on resolutions for 2023, financial style. And I know you'll have a good topic on tap for us next time around. I will. Go Chiefs. You got it. Thanks, David. We appreciate it. (laughs) And thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time on Cover Your Assets, KC. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.